You're listening to a Sin Media podcast where young people run the show. G'day, guys. Welcome to the first edition of the Next Checkpoint. I am your host, Connor Matthews. And essentially, what we like to do on the show is basically cover everything gaming news, the occasional review, uh, upcoming releases for games, and just a little bit of fun here and there. I like to talk about bad games and some good ones, but also, you know, take a look back at history. Take a look back at gaming history at its best. I've got a lovely one for that actually a bit later, but I guess before we get into that, I would like to talk a little bit about myself because I will be hosting this podcast. I'm going to be doing it all Uh, So, essentially, yes, before. Uh, My name is Connor Matthews. I have been a gamer for as long as I can remember. As long as I can remember. I am a huge fan of the Crash Bandicoot series, especially Crash Bandicoot 2. That is my absolute favorite game, like, ever. (laughs) Um, From the music and all that, uh, I find it to be the most platformy game out of the bunch. I am a collector of those games and just Crash Bandicoot merch in general. I also, I'm also a massive uh, Switch fan. I love my Nintendo Switch more than any other console. I, I would care to say that it is my favorite console of all time. Now, it's, I guess from my end, it's the hybrid, uh, the, hi- the idea of the hybrid. I can take it on the go. I can play it on TV whenever I want. I'm a huge portable gaming fan, and that's sort of been the big thing for me. That's been, like, my biggest thing, and I love it to death so much. Um, yeah, as I said, Crash Bandicoot, one of my favorite games of all time, favorite game series of all time, and just, I like a bit of everything. I'm a huge fan of Stardew Valley, which, for me, that's that's my chill-out game. Everyone's got a nice little chill-out game. Mine is Stardew Valley more than anything else. I believe that to be just the the most relaxing game ever for me. I love it to death so much. I I am <laughs> I am also a I'm also kind of a masochist when it comes to gaming. I love my bad games. I love terrible games, and I have one with me today, and it's. <laughs> I don't know why, but the idea of playing something that's so bad appeals to me. And it's more so just because I get to kind of see for myself how how dreadful a game can be. So for me, that's sort of one of my guilty pleasures in the world, just seeing bad games and being able to enjoy them. <laughs> All right. Well, that's enough about me uh, for for a while, and we're going to move on to our first news story. So if you're familiar with G2A, the uh, Steam key reseller or PC game key reseller, they've been in the news a lot recently, and none of it has been good. Obviously, um, they are very well known for their fraudulent practices, especially with um, people's details being basically stolen. And a lot of independent game companies have spoken out against G2A, especially about just how they have to give money to those who details were stolen. And so they basically just said, hey, pirate our games because, hey we don't have to pay anyone for stuff that we did we had nothing to do with 
That's kind of the general gist of it. And G2A last week, so they were in the news because a a uh, fellow em- a fellow employee there decided to boost the reputation of G2A. They wanted to really uh, try to build up a good name for themselves. And an email was sent out to uh, influencers, personalities, all that stuff. This one was from, I believe, uh, Thomas Faust from some indie games. I believe Thomas Faust is his name. But um, this person sent an email. I'm not going to say the uh, recipi- the uh, sender's name just because I don't want to get into all that hubbub. Um, and I'll read it out. So... I'll start, start off. My name is, name redacted, and I represent a global digital marketplace called G2A.com. Our company is one of the biggest uh, biggest and most popular trading platforms in the world. It is a place where buyers and sellers of games and other digital and physical goods meet to make transactions. I am contacting you because I think your website matches our interests perfectly. And... We would like to find out more about publishing and advertising opportunities that you can offer. So he wants to sort of build up a partnership. That's that sounds nice, you know. Try to get a partnership up with G two A. You know, just it sounds quite innocent to begin with. It sounds quite innocent, but then we get to the second part of it. At the moment, we are trying to improve our brand awareness and public public image, especially among the indie and smaller game developers. Unfortunately, the majority of public does not understand either our business model or how we try to make sure our customers can safely purchase digital products. We want to make sure people understand we do everything we can to support gate to support gaming community and that we uh, introduce every possible method to assure every side is satisfied. Now, uh, this just sounds quite petty. It sounds quite petty because now that this person, obviously, yes, you want to improve the reputation of your company. I get that completely. You want to try to help your company as best as you can. But this, this is kind of not the way to do it. Kind of calling out the the wider community being like, they don't understand us. And frankly, it's quite insulting. And obviously, this, this did not go over well. People were absolutely just destroying these guys for for this um, for this email and G2A much like G2A actually uh, sent out a response to this uh, these emails were sent by our employee without authorization for which we apologize to indie games plus and nine other media outlets he sent this proposal to uh, said GTA said <laughs> said the G G two A official uh, account. He will straight he will face strict consequences as this is absolutely unacceptable. So obviously, he knows that, or more so, G two A knows that he's stuffed up. He uh, completely just I guess went out of his jurisdiction to try and improve his improve the brand's name, but. With it being G2A, it does raise a couple of questions whether the uh, validity of this, because yeah, we all know we all know G2A is not the most reputable company in the world, and this really doesn't help their reputation at all. They are uh, there is an update. They have tried to. I actually didn't put it down, but they have tried to, I guess, make it 
easier for indie developers to uh, take away their games from potentially ending up on G2A, but there's a whole other loophole about that. Um, we're going to move on to our next story. The Shenmue 3 Epic Games exclusivity. Now, I am not a user of the Epic Games Store. I actually don't own a PC, Funny, funnily enough. But I know, I know a ton of people do. <laughs> Everyone practically has Steam. And the Epic Games Store has... It hasn't gotten off to the best of reputations to start off with. We There's been a lot of, I guess, petty, petty drama with buying up games for exclusivity deals for up to a year. We've seen it with games like Metro Exodus. Uh, we're going to see it with Borderlands 3, which got a lot of people peeved off. And this this one, Shenmue 3, was a lot... I guess it, it stung because, uh, the yeah, the highly anticipated Shenmue 3 has stirred up controversy because the backers on Kickstarter were, I guess promised or or I guess for I guess for a promise for a lack of a better term a steam version as it was advertised on the Kickstarter page and there even was a steam uh, page with a video trailer and all that um, yes it became a epic epic game store exclusive for one year and the frustration from backers has led to Epic Games giving refunds to those backers who are choosing to rescind their pledge. So people are taking back their pledge. People are not happy. Um, and to Epic's credit, they are following through with it. Uh, Epic CEO Tim Sweeney took to Twitter to comment, Epic is funding the cost of all Kickstarter refunds resulting from Shenmue 3's move to the Epic Games Store so that refunds won't reduce EaseNet's development funding. So that's... I like the intentions of that. Okay, you're not happy? That's... Epic will pay that. Epic will uh, take the cost. And frankly, with all that Fortnite money, with all that Fortnite money, I'm sure that they will be more than happy to, to take that. They earn enough money from that as it is. But... I kind of like this because EaseNet is, yeah, they don't want their funding taken away because it's only going to lead to just pure disaster. It's not going to end up well, the game. And I'm not going to lie, I'm I'm not looking forward to this. I was never a fan of Shenmue. I find it, I find it a bit overrated. I don't, I'm not the biggest fan of it. And judging from what I've seen of Shenmue 3, just from video trailers, it, it doesn't look great. Some of the character models look absolutely putrid, in my opinion. I don't know who it is, but it doesn't look great. I'm not excited for it, but I know people are really excited for it. But with the Kickstarter, it really like with the Kickstarter being extremely successful. I think it's one of the more successful Kickstarters around. Um, I have a feeling this game has actually a lot of expectations behind it. I believe that it has a lot of... Pr- I think it might have a lot of pressure because Shenmue, Shenmue was for, in some ways, a niche market. Not many people bought the original Shenmue. In fact, it was a quite a flop. It was quite a... Not a critical flop, but definitely a commercial flop. So all this is really just... Um, I think it's putting pressure on them because now that this game, this game pretty much has to sell now. 
That's that's what I'm gathering from it. And I think there's actually a ton of pressure on Shenmue 3 to sell. And I believe it will. I don't know how well, but definitely it'll sell over a million. That's 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 my prediction. That is my prediction on on this show. First episode, I'm already making predictions on it. I'm happy. <laughs> All right. So, uh, the next news item Cuphead Cuphead is coming to Netflix, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Studio MDHR's popular run-and-gun platformer Cuphead is coming to Netflix as an animated show called The Cuphead Show. Now, this is... I'm looking forward to this. I actually don't have Netflix. This may be the reason why I get it. I love the game. I have not beaten it, but I'm excited. I'm excited. We're actually getting a, a game... A license on a TV show that I think it might actually be quite good. The show will appeal to both kids and adults, and I think it's. I think this is going to be freaking cool. I'm looking forward to this in so many ways. Um, what really is, I guess, I guess surprising is Cuphead as a TV series. This is this is exciting. I'm excited. Because we don't get many of these. Obviously, we got the Mortal Kombat movie coming up, which is actually being filmed in Adelaide, which is pretty cool. I'm looking forward to that. Um, we've had a lot of flops in gaming uh, TV shows. Obviously, we've got the super cringe Super Mario Super Show. You've got Donkey Kong Country, which was fair, which is it's terrible but also amazing at the same time. It's the 3D, the 3D in that show was not good, but, but it was, it was, it was so bad that it was good. It was one of those shows. Um, we've had uh, Mortal Kombat cartoons, which yes, that is an actual thing. It's, um, it's terrible in every single way. And just, we haven't had a lot of video game properties do well on screen. Obviously we had the Assassin's Creed film, which was like, eh. Not great. The The old Mortal Kombat films from the 90s was a work of art, but not necessarily the best kind of work of art. <laughs> but I think with the premise of Cuphead, um, the support Netflix is giving them, and I guess the care that will be put into this is really positive for me. I'm looking forward to this. So I'm going to keep my eye out for it. I think you should too. All right, now we're going to move on to the next one. The Nintendo Switch Lite. I am looking forward to this, but I... So, earlier in the week, they dropped a video showing off the Switch Lite. I happened to be asleep when they dropped it, but when I woke up, I noticed every single notification on my phone was leaning towards the Switch Lite. So, I had a look, and the first thing that popped out to me was... How cool are the colors? So the Switch Lite comes in turquoise, yellow, and gray, and also have two Pokemon editions. These will be coming later on. The Zacian and Zamazenta. I don't know what these mean. I'm assuming that they're the names of the Pokemon, um, the, or the two main Pokemon, I guess, in Pokemon Sword and Shield, but I'm looking forward to it. I don't know if I'll pick one up, but I'm definitely excited because... It now gives more people the opportunity to get a Switch. Obviously, 
the price point is sort of a sticking point. And Nintendo are known to uh, make, I guess, inferior, I don't think that's the right word for it, but different versions of their consoles. Obviously, the 3DS, then we had the 3DS XL, new 3DS XL, um, the 2DS, which, yeah, it stripped away some of the features, which this uh, Switch Lite does have features missing, which I'll go into in in a bit more detail. But um, this is cool because it allows people who don't necessarily have the budget to come in, uh, grab a Switch, and sort of join the millions of people already on the Switch. And the Switch has already surpassed the N64. I believe the N64 sold, uh, I think, 36, 37 million units. So, and the Switch has already surpassed that. It's on track. It's actually on track with the PlayStation 4, which is pretty cool. I'm actually very, very happy to see that because it gives... This could be one of the best Nintendo... Selling Nintendo consoles, sorry. And so we're going to go down sort of the the features that, or, you know, downgrades, I guess, or missing features, whatever you would want to call it. But um, it's got a 5.5-inch screen, and the best way to describe it is if you take one Joy-Con off your Switch, that's going to be the size of the Switch. So, yes, uh, somewhat smaller, uh, yet 5.5-inch screen, which, yeah, a bit smaller from, I believe it, I believe the current screen is six inches. I, I do not know. <laughs> I know I should know this, but I don't. Um, uh, let's see. Yes, it's a Switch without the switching. So you there is no Joy-Cons. The whole thing is only playable via handheld mode, which I'm not against. I predominantly pro- play my Switch in handheld mode, so I've got no issue with that. Um, people are going off about it just because, like, oh, you know, you're stripping away, like, a key thing. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, it it's it's cutting some of the costs from it, and I'm, I'm okay with that. And a lot of people, I guess, well, I know from my end, people I know who have Switch, they prefer to play it in handheld mode just because, you know, portable gaming is such an appealing concept, even back when the NES was a thing. You know, we had the, we had the Tiger Electronic consoles they were they were dreadful um let's see what else what else missing um yeah no hd rumble so i'm assuming it's just going to have like a normal rumble motor because i think because i think yeah cutting back on costs obviously you can't play it on docked um you can hook up two joy cons to it or connect it to play games like mario party and one two switch so that was sort of like the main thing obviously yeah, with the design and with the features that are stripped back, uh, you're very much going to be you're very much going to be limited to what you can play. But they do have an answer for that. Um, and one big question was save data. Nintendo have been working on that. I believe Doug Bowser commented on it, and possibly like being able to transfer everything from one switch to another. Um, but overall. I'm looking forward to this. This is going to be a very... It's going to be a very interesting console. I'm looking forward to seeing how it does, and especially with Pokemon Sword and Shield and the bundles with it, that that'll eventually come with it. This is going to sell... It's going to go gangbusters. I think this will sell really well. And it'll continue the 
momentum of the Switch, especially with their target of like 18 million Switches that they that Nintendo predicted. Because pre obviously last year they predicted 20, and I believe it only got 18, so they are stripping that back down to 18 million. So this will definitely get them past their goal. The initial three, I believe, come out September 30th. So if you are interested, definitely consider it. And there are options to trade um, your 3DS and two games for, or sorry, 3DS XL and two games for a much cheaper price, which, yeah. So if you want to get rid of your 3DS and a couple of games, you can get a good, like, a, I guess a decent deal. Um, now, I guess the main thing is, who does this appeal to? Obviously, people without Switches or people wanting a second Switch. Now, Nintendo have come out and said that they want they they want people to have multiple Switches. This makes it easier for that to become a reality. Obviously, for some who have children... Um, this is a good alternative. This is a good start. Um, I believe the three... The, actually, I believe the 2DS is possibly the best console to have for kids. That is... I believe that to be true. I believe that to be the case. It is... It is. Firstly, it's portable. It's easy. Um, obviously, it doesn't have strain on their eyes from the 3D. Um, and you've got a huge library of games. So... I believe the Switch Lite will take over that mantle. And more to the point, this is this is very much a 3DS killer. As much as Nintendo will say, no, we, we will continue to support the 3DS, what have you done to continue that word? You haven't released anything major for the 3DS in a long while. It is pretty obvious that every everything will be transitioning towards the Switch. Uh, the Switch Lite is just that first step. And I'm hoping also in the future we get a Switch Pro model. Now, I am I am hoping we get a Switch Pro model. I'm looking for a beefier Switch. <laughs> Not in terms of size, but in terms of quality and what we can get out of it. Like, obviously, the Switch, it's... The fact that they can run games like Doom, Wolfenstein, Hellblade... Um, and eventually the Witcher 3, that's going to be interesting. And with a Switch Pro model, it will, it'll be easier for those games to run. It won't look choppier than a chopper. That is a terrible, terrible joke. And I'm sorry for that. All right. So now we're going to move on to the final bit of news. Hey, speaking of Switches, does anyone like NES on... Do anyone like NES games? Because I, I guess, <laughs> so yeah, Nintendo Switch Online, it hasn't had the best of reception, and I get that. I get that quite a lot, especially, you know, with the catalog of NES games that you have with it. Now, don't get me wrong, when I first got Switch Online, I thought it was all right. You know, got some some NES games that I have personally never played. I've never played the original Mario Bros. Uh, never played Super Mario Three. I never got to play a bunch of those games. And over the months, I have probably played one game, and that being um, Punch Out, because it's like, okay, cool. I I like Punch Out. I, it looks like fun. I want to try that. Excuse me. I want to try this game. I want to have fun with it. <laughs> 
Um, but so July, the NES games are Donkey Kong 3 and Wrecking Crew. So before Mario and Luigi were plumbers, they were demolitionists. So they have a myriad of jobs on their resume. Mario is also a doctor. <laughs> um, and the big feature, I guess, for Nintendo Switch Online is now a rewind feature. These are put into some classic collections, more noticeably, or more notably, sorry, the uh, Mega Man Legacy Collection, which I have played, I loved, and the rewind feature kind of helped me through those tough times. I am willing to admit that I took every possible chance to chicken in Mega Man, because, <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm, that game's too difficult for me. I suck at games. But yeah, so we're going to have, so yeah, NES games, yay. I'm going to look at them for five minutes and never go back to them. That's pretty much the general consensus around it. A rewind feature? Cool. That's 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 pretty much it. <laughs> that's 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 pretty much it for Nintendo Switch Online. That's the general consensus just okay. Cool. I'll play for 5 minutes and then just move on. Okay. When are we going to get SNES? When are we get N64? When are we going to get anything that isn't the NES? So yeah, <laughs> I, know, I hate to be negative, but that's just that's just what happens every time Nintendo Switch Online is mentioned. All right, so we are going to move on to releases. I'm going to take a look at these games and sort of give a look at the brief synopsis of it and sort of give my opinions on them. First one we have is Distrust, upcoming to the Switch on July 16th, which is today. So if you want to get it, now, let's see. Let's open up. Let's see what we got here. So, Distrust is an isometric survival adventure with procedural generated... Sorry, with procedural generation on an Arctic research station lost in the endless dark of the polar light. Story-rich fiction with multiple endings that suits both single-player and co-op enthusiasts. So, this this very much... This is... I'm looking at the, uh, I guess, the Steam trailer right now, and this is pretty cool. I'm, I might pick this up. Okay, yeah, we've got creepy monsters. That's that's always fun, creepy monsters. Um, a lot of puzzle solving, and I guess it looks like maybe a bit of cat and mouse. Because you are, I guess, it, this reminds me of The Thing. That movie, I think it's from the 80s, the movie The Thing. This actually looks pretty cool. Hmm. Yeah, this, this, this looks good. It reminds me of Darkwood, but just out in the snow. So that's coming out on the 16th of July, if you are wanting to pick it up, you know, by all means. Next month is a big one, because this, this month is going to be big, and next month, actually, will be big for the Nintendo Switch. We have Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3. So this is the, the sequel to a series that was long gone for years. So Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3, coming out June 19th. Uh, only exclusively for the Nintendo Switch, as this is a Nintendo-published title. Uh, assemble your ultimate team of Marvel superheroes from a cast including the Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy, X-Men, and more. Team up with friends to prevent the galactic to prevent galactic devastation at the hands of the mad co- cosmic tyrant Thanos and his ruthless war masters, the Black Order. Then expand your ultimate alliance with the paid expansion pass, which includes upcoming DLC content from popular franchises like the Fantastic Four, 
X-Men and Marvel Knights. I don't know what that last one is. But so I remember playing this back when I was a little kitty wink for the PS2. I believe it was the PS2. But I actually do remember enjoying this game. But I do remember I remember being a lot darkier. Darker. <laughs> darkier? Is that a word? No, it isn't. Um, darker and a lot grittier. That was what I meant to say. Grittier. <laughs> I remember the cast of characters, specifically ones that really I hadn't heard before. I hadn't heard of Deadpool. I hadn't heard of uh, Captain Marvel or, or Spider-Woman, I guess. I think she was in it. Yeah. I think so. It's been a long time since I've played that game. I still, I actually don't have it on me now, but I'm, I'm, I'm interested in picking this one up because I was a fan of the original uh, game. So yeah, it's sort of like a, I guess isometric or top down, and yeah, like a top down beat 'em up or, or yeah, top down beat 'em up. I think that's the best way to describe it. A top down beat 'em up, and. That's really all I can say about that, because I really don't remember much of this game. I really don't remember much of it, but I do remember enjoying it. So I might pick this one up. This is I'm excited. And it's coming to the Switch, which that's an extra bonus for me. <laughs> uh, coming also on June, July 19th. Not June, we are well past that. Uh, Redeemer Enhanced Edition coming for the Switch. So this is a port, from what I understand. This uh the... Actual game came out in 2017. We're going to take a look. So, this... Okay, let's see what we've got here. This seems to have uh, very positive reviews, which is good. Got a guy with a sledgehammer. (laughs) Oh, okay, we're going to destroy some stuff. Take out these demons. So, Redeemer is an intense brawler where you will punch, hack... And blast your way through enemies using fists, hammers, firearms, and even the environment. So, this... Ooh. This reminds me of... Oh, here we go. God of War meets Hotline Miami. That's a quote. That, that's a fun little quote. This actually looks pretty cool. It actually does kind of... actually does kind of look like... Um, <laughs> does kind of look like God of War with elements of Hotline Miami. It's got the top-down perspective... And it's got sort of that frantic gameplay of Hotline Miami. That's kind of cool. I can get behind that. So this is a, yeah, this is a top-down shooter. Yeah, this this looks good. It, it appears that, yeah, you are just as weak as the enemies. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, poor dude. <laughs> this is this is cool. I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to this game. Yeah. Top-down beat-em-up. Obviously, yeah, Hotline Miami. Hotline Miami is quite a great inspiration to... Uh, not to mimic, but to inspire your game from. I've been, I've been playing something similar to that. Katana Zero. That's actually been very, very good. And finally, for releases, we have Beyond Two Souls for the PC coming out... July 22nd. Now, Beyond Two Souls, I have definitely not played this. And I'm not going to lie, I'm not a big fan of David Cage and how he wants emotion to uh, be in his games. So I'm aware of Heavy Rain. I'm aware of um, Beyond Two Souls. I'm familiar I'm familiar with all those games. I, you know, they're all right. They're cool. Heavy Rain, all I know is that you yell Jason. Look, you yell Jason a lot. 
and Beyond Two Souls, I don't think they had a very good reception. So I'm not really sure how well this will do. I'm sure it'll do fine because people like David Cage. People like his games, I guess. And yeah, that'll cover for releases. Not a big week for releases. Yeah, we've still got some stuff coming up in this month. Especially some big stuff coming for the Switch. Especially in the freaking hell, the next six months for the Switch. It's going to be insane. We have a lot of stuff coming out. I'm looking forward to it. As a Switch owner, I am very excited, especially for Astral Chain. That game looked good. That game looked very good. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to uh, what I like to call on this day. So every week, I like to I like to do a little bit of research. I like to take a look back at gaming history on the day of the show. So the date, July sixteenth, two thousand and nineteen. We're going to travel. All the way back to, I believe, 2004 with Crash Nitro Car, Crash Bandicoot. Yes, I, I as soon as I saw this, I jumped on it. Uh, releasing for the Nokia N-Gage in Germany. So, for those who aren't familiar with the N-Gage, it is essentially the kind of the first mobile gaming console. It tried to be both. Now... The quality of games was not very good, especially this one, because it, it essentially looks like the Game Boy Advance version of Crash Nitro Kart. I'm going to pop it up. So Crash Nitro Kart, obviously the sequel to Crash Team Racing back in, uh, I believe the game released in 2003. Now, general reception was, it's okay, yeah. It's it's not as good as CTR, but you know what? It's it's fine. It's a fine game. You'll get enjoyment out of it. <laughs> Still has all the good elements of CTR. Obviously, the uh, entropy time trials, um, the adventure mode, which is always adventure mode in crash racing games for the most part have been a lot of fun. Not counting crash tag team racing. We will not talk about that one. <laughs> but um, yeah, so this is... This is interesting because, yeah, looking from what I see, it is the Game Boy Advance version, but slightly more upgraded. Slight upgrade because this this looks like it has some 3D elements. The Game Boy Advance games kind of did the kind of like the the Mode 37 kind of thing where it mimicked 3D, but it wasn't true 3D. Now, this, I kind of feel like it has some elements, but it ain't good. It doesn't look good at all. <laughs> this is not... It's not promising to me. So we're going to take a look at the... Uh, let's see, what, what was the score this got on Metacritic? A 56. Had an overall score of 56. So you can tell that this was not a good game. This was. You can tell that this was inferior. Now, Crash Nitro Kart is a good game. I will not deny that. Or most of the Crash Racing games are. Especially Crash Team Racing Nitro Field, you should play that. It is very good. Play it now. <laughs> Get it and play it. But this, yeah, try to avoid. And oh, the, the Nokia N-Gage, it was a failed concept. I like the idea, but we definitely perfected that later on with mobile gaming, even though, yes, mobile gaming itself has not had the best of reputations, obviously, with the, the microtransactions and all the free-to-play games that we see from games like Candy Crush and Simpsons Tapped Out. 
the, the pay-to-wait games or the free-to-wait games. That's that's what I like to call them. So this is that is what happened on this day in gaming. And the final segment of today's episode, the first episode, I like to call this the penthouse or the outhouse, where I take a look at a random game and I decide whether it belongs in the penthouse or the outhouse. And today, I would... I thought about this a lot over the past week. What should I what should be the first game for this? What what should be in the first edition of the penthouse or the outhouse? And I decided I'm going to go with something that is absolutely pure hot garbage. And I'm going to tell you straight away this game belongs in the outhouse because if you took one look at it, it's going straight to the outhouse. And I'm talking about Shadow Man exclusively on the PS1. I I understand that the N64 and PC versions are actually a lot better, but we are going with the PlayStation 1 version because this game runs about as well as a deer with no legs. It ain't run well. (laughs) This game runs at an extremely choppy frame rate, and that was the main issue with this game, the choppy frame rate. Um... It almost feels like it's running on a it's single-digit FPS. This this is not good, especially for, I believe, this game came out in 2000. I'm going to double-check. I'm going to fact-check myself. I'm, I'm also fact-checker in this show. <laughs> All right, let's see. Uh, Shadow Man on PlayStation 1. PlayStation 1, come on. What do we got? Let's see. Shadow Man PS1. Uh, let's see, let's see. Review. Okay, yep, came out March 9th, 1999. Now, before this, we had had games like the aforementioned Crash Bandicoot, which also came out on the PS1, ran pretty well. Tomb Raider, that ran pretty well as well. Hell, even Croc 2 ran really well on the PlayStation. So what was the issue here? Well, I sure don't know, but whoever did it, yeah, nah, you you done you done goofed, you done goofed a claim. This is this is why you're still not a, this is why you're not around. This and the WWF games from like 1998, 1999. But yeah, so let's take a look. So IGN, IGN gave this a four out of ten. Now, I don't necessarily blame it. I would have given it a 2 out of 10, because frankly, this game does not work. It runs terribly. (laughs) So here we go. Shadow Man may be great. I love this headline. This is a great headline. Shadow Man may be great on PC and N64, but it's an absolute nightmare on the PlayStation. (laughs) So, (laughs) yes. Yes, it even mentions w- the WWF games. Oh my god, that's great. I am loving this. So essentially, this game looks terrible. The <laughs> because yeah, the <laughs> it's so it's terrible. I can't explain why because it's just so bad. Now, I, I would get the game out because I actually do have it here with me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna I'm gonna get the game just so I can show just so I can read you what this game is about. So I am I am going to be right back. There we go. We got it. <laughs> Alright, so Shadow Man on PlayStation. 
A possessed man. A possessed man is coming, stalking criminals in tenements and deserts. Subways and swamps, spirit world and real world. A dead man. A dead man is coming, skull in one hand, violator in the other. A voodoo mask in his chest and lines of power in his back. Shadow man is coming, trailing evil from live side to dead side to stop an apocalypse, to save your soul. Deep storyline and dark thrills. Over 40 immersive cutscenes and hours of in-game speech. Hell no, sir. No siree, sir. Not on the PlayStation, that is. And unravel the mysteries of the dead side. Gather sinister voodoo artifacts in order to solve puzzles. So essentially, the um, the story of this game, from what I gathered, I only played about 20 minutes of it because I couldn't play another 20 minutes. Um... From what we understand, this person called Legion is recruiting evil people to uh, cre- to build some sort of thing for in the dead side to t- basically destroy the world. And in the opening cutscene, he recruited Jack the Ripper. Yeah, the the uh, murderer of Whitechapel. So, <laughs> so essentially, from what I gather, is that you go through dead side. And just sort of try and stop it. Stop the plans to that. Um, Let's see, what else does this game have in its box art? Send evil back to the darkness. Go in armed with high caliber guns or soul-destroying voodoo power. So multiple choices for weapons. Okay, I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. Store criminals across two worlds. Explore crime scenes and live side and dead side. So... I like the idea of that. It reminds me of almost Call of Cthulhu-ish, where you can sort of not travel, sort of travel back in time, go to your mind palace, if you will, and um, sort of na- sort of nail the clues, sort of gather information as to what happened. Okay, I can get behind that. But what doesn't, what I don't get behind is this front cover. We have a guy who's trying to be very hard to be Vin Diesel with some terrible-looking sunglasses holding a skull with flames in its eyes and what looks like... I don't know what it looks like in, in the fire, but it doesn't look good. Um, Shadow Man, ladies and gentlemen, this game deserves the outhouse. This game is absolutely putrid. If you want to play it, play it on the N64 or the PC because, frankly, the 32 bits the PlayStation is cannot handle what is Shadow Man. It can handle Final Fantasy VII. It can handle Crash Bandicoot, but it cannot handle Shadow Man. So Shadow Man, bye-bye. <laughs> Great way to end that. Um, thank you guys for joining me on the first episode of the next Checkpoint uh, on Sin. On Sin, yes. Uh, social media stuff, that will be coming soon, um, hopefully within the next coming weeks, so I can get uh, you guys sort of interacting on the show um, I want you guys to decide what the penthouse and outhouse should be. Uh, thank you all for listening, and I hope you all have a great week. I'll see you guys later. You've been listening to a Sin Media Podcast, where young people run the show. Okay, see you later. Bye-bye.